There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the Yardbirds, bring their British psychedelic blues rock to Ram's Head in Annapolis, Maryland on Saturday night. I spoke with founding drummer Jim McCarty about the pioneering band that launched guitarists like Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, and Jimmy Page. Hey, Jim McCarty, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in DC. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. Lovely to be here. Where are you calling us from? I, I'm down in uh, the south of France. I'm uh, a, a, a ways away. Well, we can't wait for you to come to uh, Ram's Head in Annapolis on uh, September 24th with the legendary Yardbirds. Uh, tell what I assume. Uh, what you, do you do? You find that you get you know all the all the people that come out that, that were fans over the years, but they have they they probably showed their kids, uh, and now they have multiple generations come out to the show. Is do you find that to be the case? Yeah, yeah, that's often the case. You get uh, you know grandparents and uh, grandchildren and. The <clears throat> The grandchildren have all got their Zeppelin T-shirts on, you know, so they know all about the Yardbirds. <laughs> it's great, actually. It's great. What are we going to hear setlist-wise? I assume you know all the greatest hits for your love, heartful soul, shapes of things, uh, over, under, sideways, down. I assume it's it's all. We're not gonna we're not gonna miss any of our favorites. You got them all jam packed in there. No, we got we got them all in there, and uh, we do some blues covers as well. You know, the train get to rolling. Smokes that lightning and um, drinking muddy water, all those sort of things. So it's a it's a pretty good show. Awesome, awesome. Well, whenever I have someone on a legendary band, rock and roll hall of famer like yourself, um, I always I'd like to move a little chronologically if we can. So I know you were born um, what uh, England, Liverpool area um, in '43. How what, what sort of music did you did you listen to growing up, or you know how did you get bit by the music bug originally yourself? Uh, well, I, I listened to all sorts, really, but I really got into early rock and roll, you know, uh, like uh, Buddy Holly and Heavenly Brothers, all, all the stuff coming out of America, uh, you know, Elvis and Gene Vincent. And then um, a few years later, we suddenly heard all these great blues men like Muddy Waters and Howling Wolf and Bo Diddley, and we loved their music, and we thought we'd we'd play their stuff, you know, and we, we loved it. We really, uh, <clears throat> we really got started on that stuff. That's awesome. And then how did you ha- remind us real quick, how the, you know, the Yardbirds were actually formed that original lineup in London in 63. How, how did the original group of guys actually, you know, how did you all meet and come together? 
Well, we were all in the in the southwest London area, and we used to hang out in a in a, a pub in Kingston in Surrey, d- down by the river, which was just about fifteen miles or so out of the centre of London. Uh, and um, three three of the guys were from Kingston Art School. They were they were art students. And uh, <clears throat> me and Paul Samuel Smith, we were from a grammar school, which was like a a high school, uh, and we got to we got together, and uh, we used to go and watch the Rolling Stones, and we used to listen to these great records of a pair, and so we gradually built up a repertoire, and we formed the group. That's it's awesome. Uh, I I could just geek out about you know the the rock and roll history here with you so much, but I know a lot of our listeners, of course, will. Um, uh, you know, one of the Yardbirds' legacy is that three of the most famous guitarists of all time <laughs> played with you all for, you know, so, some somewhere along the way there. Um, tell me about um, uh, the early days with, with Eric Clapton. Uh, what did he bring to the group? Could you tell that, you know, he was destined to go off and do his own solo stuff? Like, could you tell that you, you had a gem there? Well, he, he, yes, he was always very, very <clears throat> ambitious. <clears throat> and also very dedicated to what he did. Um, he used to practice all the time, you know, you get up in the morning and uh, I remember he was staying with me one time and I I got up and he, he was uh, like practicing before breakfast, you know. <laughs> so he, he was very, very, um, very dedicated and very keen. And um, he was very also attached to fashion. He always made sure he, followed the right fashion and um, he, he changed around a bit and had his <clears throat> hair cut. He had a crew cut at one time and then he grew his hair and then he grew his sideburns. And <clears throat> so he was very um, on the ball, you know, uh, and I think he was always destined to be a, a solo guy because uh, uh, he found it difficult being a part of a team actually in the end. Oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah, so I guess he broke off and did Cream and Derek and the Dominoes and all the solo stuff. But you know what? The Yardbirds had him first. You know, you guys, you guys are the originals. Um, <laughs> yes, we did. You taught him everything he knows. <laughs> uh, awesome. <laughs> yes. So so when Clapton leaves, is that uh, is that when um, is that when Jeff Beck comes in or is it Jimmy Page first? Remind our listeners the, the order there. Well, we, we, we did ask Jimmy Page at that time, <clears throat> and Jimmy was very busy playing sessions in London, so he, he didn't want to join a band, but he suggested his friend Jeff, uh, Jeff Beck. Who, My friend uh, Jeff. He was his understudy. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was his understudy. You know, he played sessions when, when Jimmy couldn't make it, and he was quite different to Eric. He, he was like, um, he didn't care what he wore, you know, he <laughs> He wore the dirty old jeans and the leather jacket and stuff and had his hair really long. And he could play all sorts of stuff on the guitar. And he loved uh, getting different sounds. And But he still does, you know, he gets wonderful sounds still. And um, uh, he, he brought that all into the band. And that's how we we ended up being called a psychedelic band. You know, we were... <clears throat> supposedly uh all on drugs but of course we we were just playing we just loved the music and we were all you know we might have had a pint of beer or something (laughs) (laughs) that was it 
<laughs> awesome. Well, sometimes you can do the psychedelic music without necessarily being on the psychedelics, you know? You, <laughs> um, so, uh, yes. all right. Well then, so, um, and then, and then when it just to round out the, the guitarist, um, section of this interview uh when did jimmy page actually come on was that uh, that was what uh mid to late 60s yeah uh he came in i think in 1966 him and beck were there together right yes he came in to replace paul samuel smith the bass player first of all and he was playing bass for a while and then he swapped over with chris dreyer the rhythm guitarist and they, uh, Jeff and him both played lead. So we, we had them together for, uh, I suppose, you know, maybe a year, nine months to a year. Uh, and that was, you know, pretty, pretty hot band, but you never knew what was going to happen. So, <laughs> it, you know, sometimes it was great and sometimes uh, it was terrible. So you never quite knew, you know, but um, it, it, it was formidable lineup. Yeah, I mean, imagine going to see a Yardbird show and you look on stage and you got Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page and you and I mean, it's like it's like an all star it's like all star lineup on stage. Um, yeah, it it was good, very good. Yeah, understatement, good understatement of the year. Um, all right, well, uh, what if if you got a second, I'd love to hear about if you have any memories of putting together any specific songs. Um, I'm a, I'm a big movie guy, and uh, I always like Antonioni's uh, Blow Up. And I know, didn't you got didn't you all do a song for it? Was it was it it was it was Tiny Bradshaw's Train Keep a Rolling? You redid his Stroll on, right? <clears throat> well, yes, we did that, but originally, first of all, we went into a studio. We made up some songs. Um, we, we thought, oh, we'll do, we'll do a song, you know, an original song <laughs> for, for Antonioni. But he didn't like any of them. So he said, oh, no, I want you to play that train, get the rolling. I, I've seen you play it. And um, so we, we had to change it around, you know, for the copyright. Uh, and we, we called it Stroll On, yeah. So it was basically that Tiny Bradshaw song. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, sorry if that was sorry if that's a bit of a deep cut for anyone listening to this, but I <laughs> I love all I love those uh, Italian movies. Um, all right, cool. Well, l- let's give them a more popular one that everybody knows. For your love, uh, how did that come together? I guess Graham Goldman wrote that, but how, do you remember being in the studio recording that one specifically? Uh, oh yes, in fact, um, we were playing with the Beatles at the Christmas show in uh, Christmas 1964. Uh, and there was a, a publisher in the audience and he had the demo disc of, of that song and he thought it would suit us. So he, he got that over to uh, to our manager, Giorgio Gomelski, Um And we all had a meeting. We listened to Graham's uh, demo of it and we loved it. Uh, apart from Eric. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he thought it was too pop. Um, and then we went in the studio and we put that down and it was you know it was obviously going to be a hit as soon as we started so it sounded great straight away uh and it, it still does sound great you know i think it does i think it does how about heart full of soul i guess that was probably the first one after beck replaced clapton but um any memories of, of jumping in the studio and recording that one or, or how that one even came together i know graham wrote that again but uh musically you know uh, uh memories of actually recording it well, it was an, yes, it was another Graham Goldman song. 
we went in the studio and um, our manager booked a sitar player to play the, the beginning, you know, the little riff at the beginning. <clears throat> and the, so we recorded it with the sitar, but it, it sounded a bit weak, you know. Uh, and Je Jeff said, oh, I can play this. <laughs> <laughs> it's very easy. So he played the riff very on his, uh, on his you know, his puzz box. And it was a, a very very much a, a great sounding riff so we went with the, we went with the jeff version <laughs> awesome uh how about evil hearted you uh why do you think that connected with audiences do you think it was just other you know listeners could relate to you know seeking a, a lady's love and, and uh, you know i don't know why, why do you think it, it hit well it was another graham uh, graham Gould. it was the, it was the third one we did we did three all together mm -hmm. uh, and it was another moody song it was in a minor key <clears throat> yeah, it was sort of you know, oh, you know the, uh, the 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 girl that get, gets the better of you sort of thing. <laughs> I guess I guess everyone's had that sort of story, so everyone could relate to it. Um, yeah, that was another great song as well. You know, Evil Heart to Do, and it featured a great slide um, a slide solo from Jeff. Very, it was a good good one. Let's jump to one that you co-wrote because we're giving Graham a lot of credit, but we're here talking with Jim McCarty, folks. So I know you 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 get a songwriting credit on uh, Shapes of Things, one of, one of the Yardbirds, you know, most famous ones. Um, was it? Would you? I, I think I've read that it's in like Paul McCartney, Jimi Hendrix, a bunch of people praised it as you know influencing on them. But um, would you would you consider that was it the first you know mainstream psychedelic song? I mean, what what would be the you know it sort of, I feel like it sort of paved the way. Well, uh, yes, I'd say I'd say it was. I think it was uh it was a good <laughs> it was a good effort. I mean, we were we were we were in Chicago. Uh, it was on an early tour, and we were you know part of the British invasion. We so we were we were right up there, you know, very popular. And um, we went into Chess Studios, which was a blues studio. And um, we worked out the basis of it before we went in. And then we went in the studio and recorded the, the backing track there. And it, it all sounded great because um, the studio sounded so much better in America at that time. You know, they sounded, uh, the drum sound particularly was much better than in, in, in England because the American engineers were all knew what they were doing. You know, they've been doing rock and roll for so long. <laughs> and uh, of course, the bonus for us was that it, it was Chess Studios, which was a, a really famous blues studio where all of the great blues players that recorded Muddy Waters and Bo Diddley, Howling Wolf, all those guys have been in there. So it was very exciting for us to do that song. Awesome. Well, maybe maybe time for for one more um, because you've been generous with your time. But uh, what we already mentioned, over, under, sideways, down. Take me in a deep dive into that. That's you, you keep the psychedelic rock going, but you you bring in your, your the blues that you guys are famous for too. Um, tell me uh, what I know. I know um, you co-wrote that as well. But what wasn't it at least somewhat inspired by Rock Around the Clock? That you know the Bill Haley Comet song. Uh, did, didn't you? Wasn't it sort of a, a riff off of that? And then you took it and, and made it into its own hit. Well, yeah, we we used to uh, we used to travel to gigs um, in in a in a big car, you know? <laughs> and we listened to a, a rock radio uh, station. 
on the way. We used to listen to this particular program and he played a lot of old like 50s classics. And I think he did play Rock Around the Clock. And we said, oh, the next song we got to do a boogie. So we finally went in the studio and um, Jeff Beck said, oh, I'm going to play the bass. So he played the boogie bass, uh, you know, basically a 12 bar like Rock Around the Clock. I played the drums and we did the bass and drums first of all, and then we la we layered it, you know, with the chords. And um, he finally did that incredible beginning, which <laughs> which was out of nowhere. So and it sort of fitted, uh, and we had another great song. So it, it was a good a good studio. Yeah. Nice. And then Jeff's boogie was on the B side of that too. <laughs> right yeah, yeah yeah um awesome well um thanks for doing deep dives into all those songs i mean i'm sure you gotta you know really dig back deep in in the recesses of the brain because you've done you know played so much music in the decades since but you know th i always loved the little trivia on, on all those songs so thanks for doing that um uh, what was <laughs> what, what was it like um i know the band um i guess they they sort of broke up there in 68 for a while um you know jimmy page would go off and form some little band no one's ever heard of led zeppelin <laughs> um but what, yeah. what what did you what did you do in the interim there because i know i know yardbird sort of reunited at what in like the in the early 90s but uh remind our listeners what you did during all, all that time off before the band got re inducted in the rock hall in 92 what were you doing in between well, first of all, Keith, Keith, Ralph, and I, Keith, Ralph, the singer, and myself, we formed uh, Renaissance, a band that, that was going, you know, still going, actually, <clears throat> uh, more of a prog rock band, uh, and we did that for a while. And then uh, we did, uh, after Keith died, we had another band called Illusion, which was very similar to Renaissance. And then, of course, in the 80s, we did Box of Frogs uh, and um, Chris Dreyer and Paul Samuel Smith and Jeff Beck and myself, we were, we were both involved. We were, you know, we were all involved in that uh, project um, and other solo projects. So, you know, I've been working all that time, really, on different projects. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, awesome. What was it like getting inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 92? Was it nice to know that, you know, that people, you know, are, are honoring all the contributions? I mean, we listed all the famous people that, you know, came out of the Yardbirds, but was it was it nice? Was it nice to that the band itself was getting recognized as as itself, you know, a, a, one of the all time greats? Oh, yes, it was very, very gratifying. And uh, it was great that the evening, you know, there were so many great um, people there, you know, Keith Richard, Little Richard, B.B. King, um, <clears throat> loads and loads of, uh, of uh, rock and roll legends, you know. Um, and the great thing was we got inducted besides uh, Johnny Cash. Wow. Uh, and Johnny Cash was one of our heroes, you know, when we were at school. So we, we used to uh, have a school band and we played some of Johnny Cash's songs. So, Standing up there next to Johnny Cash was, was very special for me in particular. Was he dressed in black? <laughs> oh yes, yes he had the he had the classic look, you know, the black the black uh, tuxedo and all that. Uh, and also, of course, Jimi Hendrix got inducted. I mean, he wasn't there, of course, but uh, yeah, he, he got inducted at, at the same time. And um, 
also Booker T and the MGs. So we were in good company. Quite a class. Uh, all right. Well, before we run real quick, tell our listeners, uh, I, I want you to be able to plug your, your, your memoirs, your autobiographies. I guess you wrote Nobody Told Me in 2018, followed up with uh, She Walks in Beauty in 2021. Uh, t- tell us um, tell us just about, you know, what all you cover in the books, what, why we should go pick them up. You know, this interview can only cover so much. You got to read the books, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well the, nobody told me it's got all these stories in, you know, some of the stuff I've told you, of course. Uh, and and much more, you know, uh, stories about playing with the Beatles uh, and the Rolling Stones and all that, and how we how we all came together. <clears throat> and uh, she walks in beauty is, is is a bit of a paranormal book um, because a couple of years ago I I lost my wife uh, to cancer. And, oh, I'm sorry uh, to hear that. Afterwards, afterwards we did some. I managed to communicate with her, you know, which was which was very special for me. Uh, and so I wrote about, you know, how I did it and uh, all the people I, I uh, all the things I learned and all the people I, I listened to. And uh, it, it was an interesting journey. So that, that book is quite different. But um, uh, the autobiography is the, is the one all about the band. Great. What do you mean by you're able to communicate? If you don't mind me asking, like through a medium or through a, through prayer? What, what <laughs> well, I learned to, I learned to, um, well, it's, it's quite a long story, but I learned to sit and tune in uh, to her and pick up stuff she was telling me. Wow. And I got a lot of evidence and uh, it, it's all in the book, actually, I, um, uh, because I learned that you had to get evidence. So I asked her, well, tell me something I don't know about somebody or tell me something I'm going to see or something I'm going to do. And all these things like happened. Um, so as far as I was concerned, that, that that was her. And this was, you know, down to earth evidence. These were, these things were happening. Uh, and so I went along with it and um, I thought, well, I have to write a book about it. So I, I, I told all the stories in the book. It's, it's quite interesting. Oh, I got goosebumps. All right. So there's a, that, if that's a hell of a teaser to pick, <laughs> to pick up, she walks in beauty right there. Find out <laughs> the beyond. Yeah. The supernatural yeah. connection, man, that is. So pick, pick that one up and then also, you know, get, get the autobiography. Nobody told me uh, and read all, read all about Jim McCarty. Uh, we tried to cover as much as we could here in the interview, but there's so much more. So read the books. Um, Jim, thanks so much for doing this again, everyone. Um, the Yardbirds are coming to Rams Head in Annapolis on September 24th. So you got to get your tickets. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us. This was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks, Jason. It's really good to talk to you. Yeah, really, really good to be here. And I, I love Annapolis. It's a great little place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Annapolis is going to get rocked by the Yardbirds. They, they don't even know it's about to hit them, baby. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to hear all those songs we, we spoke about. And many, many more. All right. Well, we really appreciate you, you joining us. This was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Okay, Jason. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.
I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.